0: Learn more at Marines.com. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. It's Friday, it's Brew of Blues, last one of the week. Hope everybody's been enjoying the videos this week and I'm delighted to say, as you can all see, joining me now for the final one of the week. Um this is the second time we're recording this on of the stick, Greg. On the, on the first time we did this introduction, I don't want to give him too much stick again, but it's a man who has to speak to Paddy every day. It's, it's Greg Keith from the Athletic. Uh, Greg, thanks very much for
1: coming. You know, what I actually miss—I uh, I actually miss our little um, Thursday meetings at, um, at Bold Street, not, not Bold Street Coffee, Santa Maluka's, the uh, Castle Street Coffee bit, there when we'd plan—we'd oh, uh, yeah. plan, we'd plan the, the, the following week and, uh, and doing far too much caffeine for like post-lunch time on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that just one of the many things, isn't it? What you think you, know, you take for granted, you know, meeting up with colleagues and friends for a brew or a pint after work. Um, so I won't be taking it for granted anymore, I'll tell you
0: that. Yeah, uh, absolutely, mate. But um, how are you doing in general, then? Are you coping with it all right? Are you are sort of used to it a little bit now? Um, or are you struggling to, you know, especially looking outside with this weather? And, you know, live. I live really close to Septon Park. You still see people out and about. It's it's frustrating. But um, I suppose we've all got to be sensible, haven't we?
1: yeah and it's funny how quickly you adapt isn't it in terms of just your your, your daily routine and your, your practices and stuff like that and you know how even things like you know the sort of your tv watching habits your eating habits your training and stuff like that you know you, you kind of after a bit of getting into a weird kind of period of like oh what, what the hell's going on you do you do fall into a new pattern and routine but uh it's only kind of, like I say, well, like you say there, when the sun's blazing like this and you, you think of like Sefton Park or Formby Beach and places that, you know, you'd absolutely love to go and, and spend an afternoon. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's it feels like – it. I was saying to my friend, actually, I don't in any way wish to, you know, sort of regret this weather because it's boss, but at the same time, it's torture, isn't it? But imagine how bad it would be if it was just pissing down, you know. <laughs> it'd be <laughs> yeah, even worse.
0: Absolutely. I mean, have, have, you found, have you found time? Because I, th- I think there's, from doing these videos and speaking to people in general, I think there's probably, there's two pe- two sets of people in regards to all this. I think a lot of people are just having a bit of a deep breath and taking some rest and recuperation, which is which is obviously absolutely sound. But there's, I mean, there's been a lot of people who've tried to, to, you know, push the boundaries a little bit, try new things, try and learn new things. I mean, would you put yourself in either of those camps? Have you tried to you know read more, do more exercise, watch more things have you tried to you know take on something new in this time or um i mean
1: i suppose i've been i've been loving from a work point of view how busy we've been, so it's um you know fortunate in the sense that the athletic uh has been full steam ahead they haven't uh looked at fellow and any members of staff and if anything they've they've asked us to produce more and more articles and content and podcasts so Uh, From that point of view, uh, having that sort of extra demand or, or, you know, sort of normal demand has meant I can can get like a healthy routine, you know, in terms of getting up at the normal time, I'd get up to go to work and maybe, you know, uh, logging off about five, six o'clock. And so in some ways it's a normal working pattern. Um, So, you know, I do see people on on Instagram and stuff like that who've been furloughed and um, think, you know, you kind of wonder, it'll be great to be able to, Maybe learn a language or take up a new instrument and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. But, but in all seriousness, I, I kind of don't envy that because I think I'd go nuts after, you know, if I was just twiddling my thumbs for too long. I just think I'd, uh,
0: I'd um,
1: yeah, it wouldn't suit me. So I'm, I'm grateful to be just plugging on with work. And reading-wise, I love reading, but actually, no. I'd not be, It's yeah. more I've been catching up on, like, a lot of films that I'd always wanted to see if I had the time. And now in the evenings, I've, I've got the time. So it's been more of a film thing for me so far.
0: Yeah, even though, you know, you said they used to, to work from home and, you know, it is, it's a big part of, you know, any journalist job, I suppose, and in the modern day, you must miss that, that getting out and interacting. Because obviously, you know, you do the press conferences, you've done loads of great features and interviews with the Athletic, you, you go with the game and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, is is that a part of your job that, you say, before this lockdown, it was more prevalent than, than previous roles for you? Were you getting out and speaking to more people and, and more players and, and the coaching staff more often?
1: Um, yeah, in, in different places I've worked, it's, it's differed. So at, at the Echo, you'd
0: be out and about
1: a lot, and BBC Sports a lot less. So uh, and in Athletic, in normal times, you know a lot. You know, back to the sort of um, able to go and report on a club more or less the, the, the traditional way in terms of physically being at the training ground, interviewing people, uh, going to the match. Uh, obviously, the, the way we're doing things is different, but that 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 matter of actually being on the club sort of beat is is something that's i think really important um for paddy and myself and for any any so anyone who's covering a sport or a club Uh, and that's why i prefer um i don't like working from home if i'm honest mate it's not for me Uh, i used to kind of grew up in in media in big busy newsrooms with like sort of vibrant atmospheres and people you know swearing and throwing things around and all sorts of like sort of <laughs> chaos but at the same time some brilliant kind of colleagues and friends and that's that's what I enjoy really I, I don't uh, must admit probably one of the hardest things for me is kind of working from the kitchen table because um I just think it, I say this to Paddy I just think it blurs the boundaries between work and uh, sort of non-work you know your leisure time and it's not it's not not much fun for me it suits some people who've got children and things like that I totally understand but yeah, it's it's not for me, not long term anyway.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to ask which people at the at the Echo were throwing stuff around and swearing <laughs> in the newsroom. I'll leave that one to you. But it, it's it's interesting the way you put that in regards to. I was going to come on to speak about you know your career in journalism a little bit later, but I think that's. It's really interesting where you put it there in regards to being back on the club beat, because I suppose in some respects you must feel as though you've sort of come full circle with it all. From from you know when you started out at the Echo when you were doing that sort of stuff, you went to being an editor, which I imagine was maybe a bit of a, was that more of a step back from from being on the club beat and doing the press conferences and that sort of thing. Yeah, you've gone to the, the BBC, Be- yeah, you've gone to the BBC, and, and now you're back doing the athletic. I mean, do you feel as though you've, you've sort of come full circle with it all a little bit?
1: Yeah, in a way, yeah, definitely. In terms of the, like I say, in terms of the sort of being around and going to matches and kind of the interviews and that sort of thing, definitely it feels like more of a start to the way um, you try and embed yourself in in the culture and life of a club as it was at the Echo. So, yeah, definitely. I I mean, it's different from the Echo here at the the Athletic in a lot of ways, but in that sense, there's there's a similarity, which, which I enjoy.
0: Yeah, I suppose one of the one of the other things I saw sort of a lot you know, scan through your Twitter feed before and some of the stuff you were retweeting and you, you retweeted the post from a journalist at the BBC, Mariana Spring, regarding disinformation at at this point and you know, and how you know how devastating it can be in regards to a lot of cases especially when we're dealing with a virus and stuff like that and just sort of throughout your your journalistic career I think that's sort of been the biggest challenge and the biggest change in regards to the things you've got to deal with because it's not just everyday life but in, in football as well you know it's something that I think you and Paddy do really well at the Athletic currently in regards to getting to the the crux of the matter getting the truth out there and, and reporting on things properly but it feels as though it's sort of crept into football more and more in, in recent years and has been, has been dealing with that misinformation and you know sort of like rumours and stuff like that been been a big challenge.
1: It's a good question mate. yeah. Um... Yeah, I think it's it's been a challenge in, for every for journalists in, in any capacity, in, in any genre, sports, um, as much as news and I think politics and, and just for all of our sort of day-to-day lives, if you, when you look at kind of, if you widen out to Brexit or the, or the US political scene with Donald Trump, sort of the will for manipulation of uh, misinformation has been like such a malignant force in, in, in this kind of world, I'd say for at least the past decade, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, football, you know, the most important of, of all unimportant things, yes. as has as been quoted by, I think, Ancelotti. Um, it, it's affected as well. Uh, and so, yeah, you're right. That has a largely kind um, of compounded by Twitter, I guess, for me. Um, I've got a love-hate relationship with Twitter. Uh, I, I admire its ability to unite tribes and, and people of like minded things, football fans, um, Evertonians, uh, you know, when, it, when it's good and when it's done positively, I think it's great. But I also um I can't stand the way it can it can kind of really sort of like the touch paper on misinformation, rumours, nonsense, um and um also the way people can be attacked, uh, the herd mentality <laughs> not not a very apt phrase actually at the moment, is it herd mentality? Mm, yeah, heard, of course. Heard any, <laughs> heard anything, but, you know the way it can, um, I suppose, the way it can be used uh, in a, in a negative sense. But I would, I'd say, from like my my colleagues at the Echo, like Dave Prentice, who who did what I used to do, um, probably about for a good period, about sort of ten years beforehand, um, when he would have working practice would have been going to French Finchfra- and um, Belfield in the morning, speaking to the manager, the players every single day. Uh, And, yeah, rumours, of course, are always been part of football. There's always people who like to appear in the know and there's always people who are in the know, whether that's journalists, uh, people who just know people who work at the clubs or um, a whole host of different people. But I think what changed with Twitter is it gave them a voice, which is great, but it also gave a lot of other people, uh, I can think of, like, so dozens of accounts on Twitter that sprung up, um, a voice which is anonymous. Which, mm. for whatever reason, usually the more garish and outlandish the rumours they pedal, uh, but they get traction, and that makes um, it doesn't help, I don't think. And it, I mean, it doesn't help journalists, but like, you know, boo-hoo, kind of, you know, we'll, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's not, more, but it, it does sometimes it, it does muddy the water, and it, like the one time you see it, like, it, it, and it's not as damaging in, at all, but. Around the deadline days uh, and things like that, you see a lot of nonsense being spouted by people who who want, effectively, just want attention. and that's, as you say, has been a really long-winded way of saying, yeah, it's changed a lot. Yeah.
0: And do, do you find that hard balance to strike in regards to Twitter? Because you know, as you said there, I think I think you pretty much get it you know, spot on in regards to. I wish I could be a little bit more circumspect, like like you are on there, take a step back. But I find myself getting involved in conversations, yeah. getting involved in debates. I mean, given the nature of your job, and you know, obviously you guys want to be really interactive with with fans. Is it hard to take that step back sometimes?
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, I wasn't always, you know, in your word's circumspect. I used to um, enjoy sometimes as well, getting more involved and, and like have debates and stuff like that. But um, it, I think it, for a journalist, it's it, it can become counterproductive. It, it's it's great to um, to show that, you know, the thing is, it, it depends whether or not you. You're trying to establish impartiality or not? It's pretty clear that I'm an Evertonian, so it's no—I don't think that's any kind of shock to anyone. Um, and so supporting the team that you report on is one thing. Um, professionally, I'll always try and be impartial, you know, obviously. But then at the same time, I want—I'd Ever- I'd want Everton to win anything. So um, there's that. But I think you—you sometimes got to be just a little bit careful of getting too dragged in because then um, you forget. The fundamentals of of reporting, um, and and if you, if you value an organisation, uh, then reporting on it properly is just as helpful as as, um, as anything really. Or, or being a fan, you know, I can be a fan the weekends that I'm not working. You know, I've got a match with my dad and my brother, but uh, the, the weekends that I'm working, I'm there to try and tell people, give them a, a decent picture of what of what's happening and and a, a sort of depth of understanding of Issues at the club, um, so yeah, and also I just used to argue with people. I just end up getting dragged, <laughs> dragged into our, our arguments, and um, yeah, there's uh, there's more to life than arguing with people about football on, on Twitter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you about quickly um, was you mentioned him already, Carlo Angelotti, in regards to having him at the football club and and you know sort of having, having to deal with him. Um, how have you found that so far? I mean, even someone like yourself who's been around the football club for for so long and done so much great reporting on the football club, you must every now and then just look at this fellow and think, I, I can't believe he's here. Uh,
1: it's surreal, isn't it? It's still uh, it it still hasn't worn off really. Um, if you'd have said to and I, you know, this obviously isn't disparaging to Everton, but if you just said 12 months ago, you know, crystal ball, there might be a few things that you'd, you'd want to bring up if, <laughs> if you had that crystal ball. But say you're talking about just sport and you said, you know, Paulo Ancelotti is going to be the Everton manager. I, I struggle. I, not many people will believe that. And every now and again, although we live in surreal times, I think that's a surreal aspect of the Everton, of Evertonian life, isn't it? When you think one of the most successful club manager, managers in club football is our manager. It's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, like like with anything, it's just frustrating that, so frustrating that sort of the beginning of that process has been paused, doesn't it? You know, and it, it was paused on a sour note for us, wasn't it? You know, with the, with the game at Chelsea. and Frustrating and um, in no way really indicative of the start of his reign. Um, but it would have just been so nice. I know, I know it's only a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but it would be nice to have had the chance to get that out, out of our system, whether it was in the derby or the games after that um but uh, you can you can't only be anything other than positive about it you know bookends every argument about the future on and off the pitch the bramley moor um when you think that you know the move to this this new stadium on the waterfront and the fact that Carlo Ancelotti is a manager um you, know, you, you you can't be anything i feel than other than optimistic um i know it's like it's something that you know kind of we we'll we'll keep uh We'll keep clinging to it in in these (laughs) times. It's funny you were saying, chatting before we started recording about the Blue Room. Oh, yeah, of course. Me me and and Dave Bennett used to be on the early doors. I used to uh, enjoy meeting up with Dave and uh, getting that lift to the top of the tower. You get a nosebleed by the time you get to the top. uh,
0: Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to look out when we can get past to the tower. Be able to look out and see. You're going to agree for you get a great view from up there. But I was going to bring that up. I don't. I don't know if a lot of people know this. Maybe people who are, who are new listeners to our show and our YouTube content uh, it used to be on the Blue Room pretty much every week when it first started. Yeah, that's it.
1: back in the uh, yeah, back in the sort of um, it was wasn't it like a radio? Was it a podcast then as well, or was it just the no, radio no,
0: show? it's just a radio. So if it, so was yeah. you, Dave Bennett, Dave Downey, and. Pet would be on it a lot uh, of course Petting yeah, Spartans, yeah. Finished, yeah. Um,
1: you came on a few times didn't you towards the sort yeah. of back, back end of that um yeah used to enjoy it yeah good bunch of lads and it was always a it was always a good conversation talking about the blues and like i say what what a setting you know to do it in yeah. anyone who hasn't been up the tower you know when, when normality returns just get yourself on that tour because the view of the city on a on a clear day is just fantastic
0: just don't go up on a windy day. I'm sure you you went up there a few times. You could you could mm. feel it swaying, can't you? You 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 still goes yeah. up and down a little bit. That's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's obviously I've um, asked people to wear the kits, um, favorite kits. I've let, you down. Kids.
1: I've let yeah, you down. I've
0: let you down. You, you've not you've, you've not got one. But if, if you got one in mind, if you, if you could, if you, you've got a wardrobe full of Everton kits from from your lifetime, from them <laughs> away or, or third kits, is, is the one you'd, you'd go to and say, yeah, that's me favorite. <laughs> my
1: favorite. That's a good question. Um, I and. I love the original Salmon and Blue Away kit. Was it 92, 92, 93, was it, or 93, 94? I love that kit. But I was thinking uh, the other day, and um, it was a funny one, because I think Sylvain Distan tweeted about uh, – or or, no, it was one of the fan accounts, actually, tweeted of the the summer of Roberto Martinez arrived, first arrived, and they were launching that new they had night kits um, and growing up you would always I loved Everton's umbro kits but then after that we went down a little bit of a, a bit of a slide in terms of the quality of the manufacturers and obviously you know, growing up in this city it's all about like <laughs> pre, the premium sports brands isn't it and yeah. they, they always had you know Adidas which was a bit annoying because you know they make smart stuff and you know, you'd always kind of hoped Everton would, would compete and get a good one and get a Nike. I was pretty chuffed, uh, a bit sad, really. But I was, I was chuffed when they got a Nike kit. And I think the first the first couple were decent. You know, um, they might have just been... They, they didn't give us the star treatment, did they? But I think they were a nice kit. Yeah. They were a nice kit. And then I remember that being uh, one of the really fortunate parts of reporting back then at the Echo was you were able to go on pre-season tours with, with the club. And Martinez took them to... Uh, La, Miami, and San Francisco when they played in the I think it was the inaugural Champions Trophy. Yeah,
0: yeah, Real Madrid, Juve, that's, Lensky, that's the wasn't one. It? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. When, when John Stone scored uh, that penalty against Juve, I think. And so I was there the day they revealed that yellow and the Banana Man kit, yellow and
0: blue. Oh, wait. when Jags Jags by the swimming pool.
1: Yeah, and the, when <laughs> when Paddy and we were talking about the the kits. Um, I think in the back of that video that the fan account tweeted, you can see me gormlessly sort of lumbering around with a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I just remember the stick that Jags was getting off camera from the rest of the squad um, for for doing his little photo shoots, and that that wasn't really Jag's cup of tea, photo shoots or anything like that. He was uh, he, he was he was quite embarrassed, but got on with it like the pro he was. And then, um, but just that, you know that that team in, from a professional point of view, well that team in general was. Uh, Good bunch of lads and sort of cam- camaraderie in spirit it was brilliant. Um, I think they were re- they were sort of reinvigorated by a bit of a change. You know, they all respected David Morris but um, he'd moved on and-, and Martinez came in and said a lot of the right things. Was really kind of compelling. Um, introduced a lot of new things into how they played, obviously for better or worse. Certainly in the- in the short term for better, and I think when you think of pre-season tours, you know, the ones that go well, because I did a piece on this uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Athletic about the '04, 4 0 um, tour to Houston, yeah, yeah. Uh, which Moyes took them onto the States and they came back and the following season finished fourth. And then obviously I, I wasn't able to, I wasn't reporting on Everton then, but um, I was lucky enough to go on this one to the States and then they came back and morale was really high and they hit the, hit the ground running and had a brilliant season and, Finish fifth, and you know, as, as ever, 72 points would have got you top four most years before that. So we should really have been in the Champions League or qualifying anyway. But um, in, the, in recent history, that's one of my most uh, enjoyable seasons. That the sort of, you know, the, they still had the defensive organisation and rigor of Moyes, but Martinez' sort of progressive approach yeah. to attacking and play and everything came together quite nicely, didn't it? And if I could capture one one season and just you know, kind of relive it it would probably be that. Tremendous.
0: Yeah. my One of my favourite kits is from that season. It's the one we wore away at West Ham when Baines got the two free kicks. So you know, the white, the white yeah. and like dark blue one. Yeah, it's really smart. That's a smart. really nice kit, yeah. yeah, yeah, just, yeah. A shame, just, a, just a shame about the badge that season, wasn't it? Awful badge. It, it, it was, it
1: was. <laughs> I remember at the time, you know, the club got absolute pelters, but, um, you know, the, it was, <laughs> It was a, it was a bad idea, really, but there was a genuine reason. Like they they, they were under pressure from the Premier League to change the the crest because there was two. Do you remember it was the two uh, laurel Leagues yeah, yeah. were traditionally outside the Everton badge, uh, and that was causing for some some issue globally with the Premier League when they were trying to like transpose it to different broadcasters. It was causing them problems. So I think Robert Elston decided, you know, we need a new badge, and it, it went badly. Um, it went badly. But fair play to people like Alan Myers who were at the club at the time. It was absolutely, course, fantastic, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Alan to work with, you know, and um, still is. And you know, he was the uh, communications director, and, and and just got Evertonians, I think. And he realised that 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 they needed to um, to just relook at this, and I think he he got Blues involved, and there was like there was a diff there was a selection of redesigns, and. Um, really harnessed the club's supporters' enthusiasm, uh, let the clubs decide on the new badge, and then, and then in the end they picked the nice one that we've got now, which was, wasn't that much different. I think it just had the laurel yeah. leaves inside. And, um,
0: yeah, it did really well to turn that negative situation into quite a positive one, which sort of brought everyone together. Exactly, and, and
1: Alan was doing that all the time, you know, with his team mornings and stuff like that. I think um, he, I'm not sure if he, he might have left the club the following season or something like that. So. Um, like I say, it was, it was a really positive, good era for the club on, on and off the pitch. I think, and uh, you know, you never know if that shirt has that badge on it, down to sort of ten, twenty years time, it might, might be worth a bit more because it was so rare. But maybe, yeah. maybe not in the day in days of mass production. But it was, um, yeah, it wasn't the best, was that badge? Yeah,
0: if we qualified for the Champions League or won a cup or something. It would have been worth an absolute fortune. But uh, just before we wrap up, Greg, I've got to give you a right response because Gav Buckland was giving me grief about my hair on yesterday's video. When I said that you were coming up, I think he used, I think he used the phrase "burst mattress to describe yours. And I think uh, yours looks pretty smart and, and well-groomed, certainly compared to mine.
1: That was my own. He's stealing my own phrase. Oh, uh, okay. I gave myself a self-administered haircut on Saturday.
0: and uh, You did Gav- that
1: yourself? Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't touch the top. That that would have been disastrous, mate. I, I would have. <laughs> I would have looked like i um, had been in some sort of serious accident that required uh, very quick shaving of my head. No, basically, yeah, I tried. To, I tried <laughs> to, to do the back and sides, and um, I got really kind of, really sort of anal about it and watched six videos and kind of. So basically, yeah, if you need me after the lockdown, uh, all your hair cutting needs, you know, <laughs> never <laughs> mind Everton. I'll come around, quick, short back and side. But well, no, yeah, I did. Uh, I did manage to do that. I wouldn't touch the top. I think I'll end up like you at the end of it. Yeah. What's your? Uh, what's your? Are you just gonna go for it and just just let it? I think so, so mate,
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I only I need to get so, mine cut like every few months anyway because my wife's mum is a hairdresser and she lives down in they live down like near Bath. So we're, basically, whenever I get me down there, or they come up here to visit us I get a cut. So I had a, <laughs> a cup before my wedding in February. So by the time they come out, I end up looking like Fellaini or something like that. <laughs> Probably more like Nick Madar than, than anything. But <laughs> hey, that's the worst looks,
1: mate. That's yeah, worse looks. I
0: suppose so. Uh, I suppose so, I mate. Mean, yeah. But, uh, Greg, has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks very much. Like you, know, like you said, could be the Athletic's hairdressing correspondence when it's all over. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, yeah. I'll, prob-
1: I'll probably make more sense
0: doing that. <laughs> nice one. But do go over and check uh, Greg's stuff and Paddy's stuff out on The Athletic. I'll include the link in the description below. They have an Now podcast as well uh, with Greg and Tony always well worth a listen as is Greg and Paddy's uh, podcast with The Athletic. we Gl- Gl- tidings. Uh, all the links for them below. If you like this video, please give it a thumbs up. Please comment. Please share it. Have a good weekend, and we'll speak to you again soon.
1: Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store. It's a problem solvers paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who
0: have the right answers. Problem solved.
1: Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more.